Before this episode, we wanted to um, convey a message that we think is important. What's happening right now and has been happening in this country is sickening and frightening. We are firmly against the senseless violence against black men and women by police officers and white supremacists. The movies we discuss today involve a lot of violence and treat violence in an entertaining and ridiculous way. Violence in the real world is not entertaining, and we don't condone violent acts by anyone. We hope that our humor uh, while discussing these films does not distract from the present situation, and we encourage our listeners again to educate themselves and take action against systemic and violent racism. We hope you enjoy this episode, and like Gabe said, please continue to educate yourselves. Wiggle your big toe. <laughs> Wiggle your big toe. Wiggle your big toe. Wiggle your big toe. <laughs> <laughs> Wiggle your big toe. I'm a gentleman. You can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got Make my day. Best day, big boy, huh? That's bright. Fuck you. Everybody on? Good. Great. Bad. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> leaders and fighters of the American dream, the best is yet to come. Because this is Facing Off, a podcast where we take two movies and we compare, contrast, and rate them. Today's episode is on Kill Bill Volume 1 and Haywire. My name is Gabe, and this is Nick. Hi. This is our national convention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the, the FONC. The funk, baby. Oh. Uh, by the time you hear the next pop, the funk will be within you. <laughs> the funk you. will be with you. Uh, how you doing, man? Uh, Chilling, man. I mean, yeah. We're, yeah, we're all right. The we're world is... Some- We'll wow. get some comfort food after this. Yeah, we're going to get some comfort Indian food. But we're talking about two super fun movies today. Uh, before we do, I have some shout-outs. I got a lot of shout-outs this shout- time. You're going to shout more From than our that? facers. You just shouted Ladies to, my, <laughs> to my entire apartment complex. Uh, shout-out to Tyler Ewing. Huge fan of the podcast. He's oh, super excited man. for us to do a Tarantino episode. Shout-out to Tony Bueno. Big fan of the podcast. Big fan of, well, actually, as well. Uh, shout out to Deanna Cowley, a new listener who's a huge Jurassic Park fan and just a zoologist and actress. And she loved our podcast and wants to listen to more and wants to be on at some point. Nice. Thank you. And shout out to Phil Iacono, who is the proud recipient of my law degree after <laughs> uh, Clay, who gets a fucking shout down, uh, told cheating. him... That we were doing Kill Bill, he and cheated. he guessed right on our Twitter. You should go follow us on Twitter, because that kind of fun stuff could happen all the time. Twitter.com slash FacingOffPod. Um, a shout down to Tyler Sahlstrom, because, I, be beheaded. because he loves Kill Bill, and it would have been <laughs> cool to have him on this. So I said, hey, you got any notes beforehand? And he said, yeah, let me rewatch, and I'll give you all my notes. And in Tyler fashion, Fell he did not. Okay. And then uh, shout down to Leo's. Law enforcement officers. Oh. <laughs> In uh, Haywire. Got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, give uh, us the synopses. Why don't you please? Okay. 
So our two movies today. What happened in them? Yeah, I'll tell you what happened in them if you just shut up and let me talk. Yeah. Uh, the two movies that we're presenting to you today are both non-linear and centered around strong female assassins seeking vengeance upon their former handlers. Mm. Uh, Kill Bill is the story of an assassin bride beaten into a coma on her wedding day by the family of assassins with whom she works. The bride loses her child in the process, or so she thinks, and sets herself on a quest to kill her fellow female killers, the deadly viper assassin squad, and their leader, the groom, Bill. Divas. In part one, the subject of our episode, the bride kills Copperhead and Oren Ishii, the Cottonmouth, after blinding the California Mountain Snake. Whoa. Whoa! Fully blinding. She was half blind before, but now she's full blind. Hey, is why? That, is this supposed to be after? Hmm? She did that first? Oh, yeah. No, well, she does that later. Yeah, I Spoiler know. alert, we're talking about volume one. No one's seen volume two I yet. know, I know. Yeah. Does she not? Oh, yeah. Well, no, that's in the second one. That is in the second one. Did you watch the second one this weekend? No, but I get them mixed up. Yeah. All yeah, right. she killed two. She killed the Cottonmouth and the Copperhead. Okay, fair Never enough. Never mind. Good movie. Haywire. Mallory Kane, a black ops special agent, set up and betrayed by her handlers during their top secret mission, sets out to discover who threw her under the bus and then absolutely fucked their whole asses up. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the plot. <laughs> that is the plot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the similarity I, I, I wrote out because when I was rewatching Haywire, I was like, ah, it's really not that similar to Kill Bill, but I've already committed to this and I really want to do Kill Bill. And I think a lot of people wanted to hear it. They're similar. Enough. Um, they're, they're like they're non-linear, non-linear uh, movies by assassins. super, yeah, super popular, unique auteurs with strong female contract mm, killer yeah. slash assassins or like operatives with attempted assassination led by their ex-boyfriends. Who, yep. And then who exact revenge on all who set them up. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't great. even think about the, the director's I, thing. They're, they're both like uniquely, um, they're both visually unique or unique in their yeah. own ways. And, and yeah. yeah, and they're just extremely popular kind of like cult fan favorite um, directors. Yeah. Let us uh, decide which of these movies is better yeah. by breaking them down in fun categories. We're going to use our... Uh, Five categories. The Deathless Five. The Deathless Five, uh, like from Kill Bill. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> our categories are going to be spectacularity, originality, actoring, eye candy, and legacy. Yeah. Let us start. Oh, and we also break the. One we, to each seven. of them are one to seven. <laughs> one is the uh, lowest. Seven is the highest. Four is the most middle. And it was the one with the hairy chest. All right, let's start with spectacularity. Because these are both spectacle movies. Again, uh, spectacularity is where we talk about the engagement level of the movies, uh, how f- like fun and entertaining they were, or whether you were distracted by things. Like, what was the flow like for it in your interest level? <laughs> like all the level? jazz. What was the jazz like? Let's start with Kill Bill. Okay. Uh, Nick, why don't you start with the spectacularity for that film? It's honestly a slower movie than I remember. Well, I but disagree. I agree. St- Still, it's just it's slower than I remember, oh, okay. but it's not a slow movie. I'm gonna give it a five. It's really interesting to watch for me, um, if for no other reason than you know that, like, there's gonna just be a bunch of sick fights. Yeah, 
Like I didn't even think about it. he had never really made an action movie before that. No. He made violent movies. This is an action movie. This is like a legit action movie. And it comes it's cool. It comes out of his conversations with Uma Thurman during Pulp Fiction where they're like, What kind of movie would you like to make? And Quentin Tarantino was like, I always wanted to make like a kung fu movie. Yeah. And so then he does. Yeah. And they do it together. Uh you and Q. And um I mean Q you, dude. <laughs> Like so dumb. The, the, what? <laughs> the fighting uh, is very well spaced out too. So like you're not gonna get like it doesn't come in like these big bursts. There's like, it, I mean Quentin Tarantino's generally pretty good at this. He spaces out the action enough that, that you get little like hints of it here and there, and then yeah. it kind of it obviously crescendos with the the whole crazy eighty um, eight fight. Yeah, yeah, the whole crazy eighty eight fight. So. I'm going to give it a five. I don't think it's the this most... This is so fascinating to me. ...spectacular movie I've ever seen. It's not the most engaging movie ever, but I, I think it's really awesome. You know, I actually expected to do the same thing, but I, re-watching it for probably like the 10th or like 12th time, I'm giving it a seven out of seven. I Whoa. find it to be extremely engaging, and I think that's a Tarantino thing. But, well, first of all, Aaron's review of this movie, Aaron Harrington, previous guest, uh, is it was tight. Um, so thank you, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very tight. I think this is one of the better length uh, Tarantino movies. That's a hard word to say. Um, one of the better length uh, Tarantino films. I think the pacing is great as opposed to what it, the pacing has been in his last two movies. Yeah. Um, yeah it is yeah. perfect nonlinear storytelling. Like, and, yes. and he's the king of that. But they... They have you slowly figure out what happened and who the characters are. There's really no reveal. Um, I also, like, the final chapter, which is, like, the crescendo, as you said, mm-hmm. is, like, 50 minutes long. Yeah. And it's fascinating. I think it has an incredibly hooking first scene, and that was how they came up with the idea, was to have this, like, bloody woman and have it zoom out and her be a bride. And that's why it's based yeah. on the character, the bride. Um but they're telling you that there's going to be this whole journey for this character just with that scene. Then it goes right into her second revenge kill. Like immediately after the credits, she goes and fights, uh, um, what kind of snake is she? Cottonmouth, yeah. uh, Vivica, a Fox's character, uh, Vernita green. And should have been the black mom. Like there's a, one <laughs> thing a that I love scene. is when she goes, and she's the copperhead, by the way, copperhead. That's right. Yeah. She says, um, she says that thing like, I always heard that you were the best with an edge weapon. And she's like, fuck you. I know he didn't qualify that shit or something. <laughs> yeah. But then she, ki- the bride kills her with an edge weapon yeah. and she uses a gun. Um, then, he, then he sets up that she had already killed Orinishi. Mm-hmm. So then you go back and like, this is just brilliant in terms of bringing you into the movie. I think it has an amazing soundtrack starting with Nancy Sinatra's Bang Bang. Yep. He used the, the five, six, seven, eights we found in Japan because they're the sickest surf rock band. Uh, RZA does like the soundtrack, uh, just absolutely kills it. All the fight scenes are incredible. All, uh, there's an awesome badass main character to keep you interested at every moment. I love the whole Oren backstory, Oren Ishii backstory. Like, yeah. I'm so hooked once uh, they start give it doing a six. that. You're right. Um, it disturbed me as a kid, the Oren Ishii stuff. My mom was like, I don't think you'll like this movie if you can't handle this, like, animated scene. Uh huh. Um, the whole first meeting with Hattori Hanzo in the sushi shop is just, like, Great amazing that's, comedy. That's, might be my favorite scene. It's so good between him and the his assistant. But the main scene that just draws me into the movie, I get chills every single time this happens, 
is when they're in the House of Blue Leaves and you hear outside in Japanese by uh, the bride. She's like, Orinishi, you and I have unfinished business. And it's like, oh, this like music oh, comes yeah, in yeah. and the guys like run out and they like pan it through. I'm just like, oh my God, buckle up kiddos because <laughs> Beatrix kiddo is about to kill a bunch of people. And then the last fight with Orinishi, one amazing thing. Uh, it's like my favorite piece of trivia about this movie, and I timed it this time. Uh, Orinishi, right before they fight, says, I hope you saved your energy. If not, you won't last five minutes. And then when she takes a step forward and the music starts, it's exactly four minutes and 59 seconds until her the top of her head gets sliced off. Yeah. that like So many directors fuck that up, real-time stuff. That is just brilliant. I'm giving it a seven. I so much went into engaging you in this movie. Yeah, totally. Um, so you I, went up to a six. I moved it up to a six. You're right. That's fair. I just, I don't, just like, I'm, I'm going to gush about this movie. A little that's bit. fair. You're going to gush. I hope you don't gush too much because you're in my bedroom. <laughs> Gross. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Haywire Spectacularity. Um, it's not boring. Sure. It's just not particularly interesting to me story wise. Okay. And the music is uh, obnoxious as shit. I, I actually wrote in my phone, what did you think about the music in the, the scene love... where they're in the mission? They're doing the mission and it's just like overpowers the whole scene. It's just too much. It, it's a bold <laughs> choice and bold choices are cool and yeah. good. Um, like make them, but don't. Don't overpower the whole scene. Sure. Um, and I just also am going to mention repeatedly that Gina Carano is awful at acting. It is enough to turn anybody off of the movie, but especially me. So this is her first, this is her first it movie. absolutely kills me. I'm going to give it a four, though, because it is cool and the twist is cool. Yeah. The only thing that didn't make it lower than average is the twist, the, the music, and the fact that Gina Carano might as well be uh, like a cardboard box that knows martial arts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to talk I about just, this in actoring. I have a dis- I I originally believe that, and you know, I really hate her in the Mandar- uh, Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Um, I don't know. I'm giving it slightly above average, and here's why. So. The first scene, like I was talking about with Kill Bill, the first scene in this movie just sets the pace. Like, you don't know what the hell is going on. You're in a diner. Channing Tatum comes in. You think that they're like a couple or friends or something. He's hungover. And then he throws coffee in her fucking face. And then they have a an amazing fight. Yeah. Like an incredibly choreographed oh, every fight. fight is amazing. Oh, yeah. The, and then the hotel fight scene is one of my favorite fight scenes in any movie between her and Michael Fassbender. And it is the way it starts with Fassbender just fucking punching her in the back of the head after <laughs> so they just good. had this mission together, it's jarring. And then I used to show it to my friends, like all the, I would show everyone the scene because it just keeps getting more and more absurd as they're yeah. fighting. And she beats the absolute shit out of him. <laughs> and it's like, it culminates to this point where she fought just quickly. She's like, <sighs> and then puts the pillow over his head and shoots him. And it just ends. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> Yeah, like, that's not how fight scenes end normally. Um, I love that Michael Fassbender is just like an absolute fucking nutcase. I know that me and you were talking about this, but like, yeah, he just wanted 
he loved the stunt shit in this. Yeah. And so he beat the absolute crap out of her. I mean, she was a fighter and everything. She's an MMA but she fighter, yeah. Also accidentally hits him with the vase and she wasn't supposed to. And he just loved it. Yeah, he was like, Oh, I could see it. I could see this little glint in your eye. I knew it was going to get hit. And she's like, He's a fucking crazy. She guy. thought she was going to get fired with that. Yeah. I also, so another thing, like, <laughs> I really, I think Soderbergh really builds tension very well. And I, I felt that with it. And I think the score and the soundtrack kind of work with that. I especially really like the end. The, the end of this movie is awesome. Where yeah, Antonio Band. The end is great. It begins and ends with the word shit. Yeah. And, and the end is so cool where it cuts the black and the song is really cool. Um, I think it's a great length. It's not long. No. Another scene that really hooks me, um, the snow driving scene is so cool because there's no music in that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's just so calm driving in reverse, like, pa- like through, like first, like passing the cops and then driving in reverse. She's just, I think she's not a great dialogue actress, but no. I think she's a really good physical actress. Um, I think it's really careful and meticulous, but it's never boring. Like, it's really careful and meticulous about the jobs that they are doing, and I respect that. Yeah. And the fighting, obviously, like, great choreography. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, and and the twist, uh, I mean, the, the initial twist is great. The other twist with, like, Channing Tatum in the house, when you find out that, like, Ewan McGregor is, like, orchestrating this entire thing. Yeah. Is brilliant. Um, so... I'm going to give it a five. I do think that it was pretty confusing, so I got distracted by that at times, even though it's a simple plot. Yeah. Well, let's talk about originality then. Uh, Originality is where we talk about how creative the movie was, uh, um, whether it needed to be made, whether it stands out in its genre. What what did you think about Haywire? Uh, I mean, I'm curious what your rating is because, like, I'm not sure what makes it original. If anything, I guess the fight scenes are original. Yeah. Like the 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 care that is taken uh, to make them as badass as possible is impressive and perhaps original. Although, like, I mean, there are lots of other movies that have impressive fight scenes. I mean, just on our podcast, we've talked about um, like the Born Identity. That has impressive, well-choreographed fight scenes. Kill Bill's obviously a very different stylistic choice, but... Yeah, I don't agree. I, the, my problem with The Born Identity is the way that the fighting is filmed. The shaky cam. Because it, it allows you to get away with not having to choreograph as much fighting. Okay, that's fair. Okay, I see what you're saying. No, I mean, I, so I'm giving it a four. I'm giving it average. The positive things... I, I do think the fighting is is so unique and original that it it almost bumps this up to above average. And that's because that style of fighting and like action movie uh, fighting has now become super popular. Like this was yeah. before John Wick. This is like the whole gung fu type thing. Um, and, the, and the way that they film it, they never cut away from the fighting. If no. anything, they'll edit uh, they'll edit different parts of it. Like for instance, on the beach with Ewan McGregor, there's like, like 20 different edits or whatever. It's really cool how they go around it, but like mm-hmm. there's never shaky cam. So you get to really see it. Um, she spent like six weeks training 
to become with special operatives like yeah did you read about how they like stalked her yeah it's like she must have been trying like they- made her feel i was like dude you couldn't just have given her acting lessons instead right well like that's where like her dialogue <laughs> acting is bad but her physical acting like i bad. believed i yeah, thought absolutely. her acting like i could believe that they had been stalking her or something like that definitely yeah, worked out she she seems like she's like a super spy i what i like is that it's like the same thing with mid '90s that the movie that Jonah Hill made. He took skaters and tried to turn them into actors instead of making actors into skaters, and that would just piss off the whole skating community. Yeah, with like a fighting community and stuff, or like actual like soldiers watching this movie, you're seeing an actual fighter, non actress. Yeah, and then she becomes you know an actor afterwards. Um, I think he's really <laughs> creative visually. I think this movie is like really. She becomes an actress. She's just not like great. In nominally, yes. Yeah. Um <laughs> I really I think that he has this visual like style that it that is very creative in this that's yeah. even different than any of his other movies. Um I I think the use of non linear storytelling isn't unique, but I think he does it in a good way. Yeah, like I, it's I, done well. I just don't think it's super unique. It's like essentially. It's also a this, little like, confusing. Well, yeah, wants revenge, eventually finds the bad guy. Well, the problem was that the movie would have been too, like, cookie cutter if it wasn't that. But I just mm-hmm. – I still don't really know if the movie needed to be nonlinear. No. Totally nonlinear. Um, I think it's one of the better under-the-radar espionage movies with a sure. female lead. So I think it, it stands out in that way. But I'll just give it an average of four. I'm going to give it slightly below average. That's fine. I'm going to give it a three. Um, I just don't see anything about it that's super original. Kill Bill, uh, on the other hand – uh, is like I think a very original amalgamation of a bunch of different like sort of I guess like Asian film tropes and then served served up as like a nice homage to those types of films even if the plot although it's presented non-linearly is actually a very linear plot and, they also and, filmed it in the in a linear way they filmed it in order yeah. Which is weird. That's so weird. But that's so fucking corny. Yeah. yeah, and his editor. Like. It's not like the most interesting plot ever. You know that she's going to kill all the people she wants to kill. Right. Um, But, but so I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I, I think it's a creative vision, but not a lot of it. Like, so Tarantino, for anyone that loves him, knows that he he likes to pay homage and he does it like a lot. Like he yeah. is, this is basically a collection, not just Asian movies of like Westerns and everything, yeah, which are yeah. kind of based off of um, Japanese movies. Right. But like he, there's like probably a collection of like 40 to 50 different movies in this, uh, especially in the way that he films stuff. But what I like about that is he puts you through a film education by doing that. Like mm-hmm. this is the ins- the human encyclopedia of movies teaching you about films that you probably wouldn't have enough time to watch. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, he he absolutely knows that Westerns are mostly kind of derived from like these Japanese these older films, Japanese yeah. samurai films. Yeah. And so he's like, he's like serving this movie up to you as this 
homage to all of these different things, which I think is totally cool. And I, and I, I work in copyright law, like in copyright law, compilations are, are an acceptable form of like a duplication essentially. Mm -hmm. And I like that he does that and he still inserts his own creative technique in the dialogue writing Mm -hmm. and, and the choices he does in terms of coloring and stuff. So I think it has a lot of awesome Tarantino trademarks that any fan like watches and is just like, fuck yeah Tarantino like he's doing this like red apples like this kind of filming Um, I thought it was really clever I know so I thought it was really clever that he did the black and white thing to avoid getting in trouble with the MPAA with uh, over violence even though in Japan (laughs) they just like played the whole thing with no black and white but like I I mean I love it and I, I think what he did was he took all of these action fighting movies that what the hell uh he took all these action <laughs> what the heck i mean he's got to be schlimpo uh he took all these action <laughs> movies that he loves and then just created such an awesome action movie and he in his opinion at the time he was like this is the best action movie ever made yeah. and that was his that was his goal so also i love that he didn't have to rely on swearing and using the n word like as much as he has, even if, though it's like funny the way he does it in like Pulp Fiction and Django, I, I like that he got a little more creative with the dialogue writing. In yeah. This. So I'm going to give it a six. Um, I think it's very uh, clever. I think it's well above average. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, fine. Let's, uh, let's talk about actoring. Uh, actoring is where we talk about the performances, how good or bad the actors were. Um, whether the writers or directors gave them the tools that they needed to perform at the best of their abilities. Yeah. What's your problem? Let's start with Kill dude, Bill. I, okay. No, let's start with Kill Bill. I, no, all right, fine. Let's start with Haywire. Dude, What's your dude, she's so bad. Yeah. She's so bad. Gina Carano <laughs> is that bad. Dude, she's truly one of the worst actors I can think of. This was her first thing. I understand that, but like she didn't... She's so bad, dude. I... Definitely wrote that in my notes, and then I started realizing how good her physical acting is outside of fighting. That's fine. Like, like yes, that's true. I, I'm not going to absolutely crap on it, but I do think that the, whenever she delivers a line, it is like head-scratching. It is like facepalm bad. Like, physically and directorially, the movie is very far from bad. The cast is stacked. Dude, she needs acting classes. And she never got them because she's in The Mandalorian like last year and it's awful. It's because she's just a badass woman. and That's not why she's bad at acting. Charlize no, Theron no, no. is a she's badass, a badass woman. woman. for. That's why like no one's required her to act. They required Charlize her to get... Theron was an actress. They required her to be stalked by fucking special ops like dudes. Yeah, it's part of the job. For six yeah. No, it's not. She went and got her nails done and walked Dude, out I and were in her car that. like, gotcha, bitch. When I worked for a law firm, they did the same thing to me. It's a required <laughs> part of the you. job. Dude, doctors do it. I mean, I, I also think Channing Tatum is not great in this. He becomes so much better later. Like, yeah, I he, encourage anyone to go watch Fox Because he takes Fox acting Dancer. classes. Yeah. He works on his craft. I also, like... <laughs> He's also better in Magic Mike, and that was another Soderbergh one with him. But like, I like he didn't become a great actor to me until um, 
fox catcher and then yeah. and then hateful eight i think he's really good in. yeah he he's really just not great in this movie and, and but i cannot stress enough how like piss poor gina carano is at acting yeah dude every time she delivers a line it took me out of the movie I don't know if I'm being too picky, but I feel like she's d- definitely seems like she's like a seventh grader trying to deliver <laughs> like lines. And I it's, can't even. It is weird. It's it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's pretty. Because you can't believe anything that she's saying. Yeah. Like the, she has like her character is the main character. She has depth and you can't believe a single thing that comes out of her mouth. Because she, ah, dude, there are like, times where she's get like I think she's no. good in the driving, like when she's driving with Michael. Or okay, Randall. yes, like that she's is a, good. That her is acting is better spot. than that. I'm giving yeah. her a three. I'm giving the whole movie a three. So okay, I I might give it a three. Hear me out though. I first of all, like as we said, the ensemble is incredible. Michael yes. Douglas, Antonio Banderas, Ewan McGregor, um, Channing, uh, Channing Tatum. Tatum. Michael, did you say Fassbender already? I already said. Oh, not Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I mean like Michael he, Fassbender. I yeah, mean, and he's great. I and even the guy who Michael. Uh, I'm not a big fan of him, but Michael, what the fuck is his name? Andrew Angerano or whatever. He's the guy from like Sky High and Lords of Dogtown and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I I really like the ensemble, and I think Soderbergh like always has great ensembles. He's an ensemble guy. Uh, <laughs> he he's an ensemble guy. We always said. Um, but I also like part of it is like I respect the <laughs> amount of work that went into the acting in this. Like everyone went through training and stuff. Everyone went through yeah, definitely. Probably like and like it wasn't like a big budget movie, it's and the they only really reason dedicated I didn't themselves. Give it too. Yeah, I mean. I agree with you. I, I think her physical acting kind of outweighs how bad her uh, dialogue acting is. I, I get it. I also like like this movie, and I know you didn't like it that much when you watched it. Not really. Um, I think it's one of the most intriguing early Fassbender roles, just because we just had never really <laughs> yeah. seen him. And he's just so fucking handsome and suave. Yeah. He's so suave. I don't understand why he wasn't Bond. I don't know. Um, I really don't. I love when they're doing their initial like spying on each other. Yeah. Like again, physical acting off the charts in this movie, all around. Um, I love a good like. That's why I gave. I it, love that's a why good I said the... suave and scummy like Antonio Banderas. They, they, he needs to do that more often. Um, he's just such a piece of shit at the end of the movie. Yeah. Another one is I think this is a great Ewan McGregor role because. He it just proved that he was capable of being a villain, and now he's been a villain. Like if you've seen Birds of Prey, uh, he's great in it. But I love the line that he says to Fassbender. He's like, "Oh, you shouldn't think of her as being a woman." Yeah, that that would would be be a a mistake. mistake. (laughs) That's like it was in the trailer, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm in." Um, Yeah, I don't know. Did you notice that Crazy Eight was in it from Breaking Bad? Yeah, he was. He never says anything. Uh -uh. He's just around the table. He's there. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, ensemble. I'm gonna give. I'll give it a three. I agree with you. It is below average, but I do want to say, like, I really appreciate how much work went into this movie. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why I said directorially, definitely great. But like, dude, teach her how to deliver a line that makes you actually believe that she's not an actress. Like she, she's very obviously. Acting, dude. Like I don't like. You it. shouldn't think of her as an actress. That, that would, would be a mistake. mistake. <laughs> um, all right. Well, well, let's talk about Kill Bill. Uma Thurman is perfect for this role. Lucy Liu is great. The side characters. I think this is the first time anyone can say like Lucy Liu was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially Bill Murray. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Bill Murray fucking hates, hates her. Lucy. Liu. That's why he wasn't in the second Charlie's Hilarious. Angel. Lucy Liu is great. Side actors, or side characters, as is usually the case with Tarantino movies, are all great. Especially everyone in the Crazy Eighty Eights. Oh yeah, dude. They had so much fun. So much. Lo- fun. Like I love the guy who's like head bobs and stuff, and his hair flies. Yeah, like like I want to give great. it. I I I think I wrote five, but I'm just gonna give it a six. I just don't. I'm at a six. I think here's the thing. Another great ensemble. Yeah. Um Everyone is is great in it. I don't think anyone blows my mind except no. for Uma Thurman. Yes. Who yeah. I think I never noticed that she gets to do a full range of acting in this. She gets like all of the emotions, yeah, anger, really sadness, like unbelievable sadness. Like she, you really believe she's so good when she wakes up from the coma, mm-hmm. um, get good physical acting by her. You get the cool coolness of her. You get her being funny and like upbeat. It, it's great. Um, she should have been nominated for Oscar. I have no idea how she wasn't for either of these. Um, Underrated performance that I didn't really appreciate until this watch uh, was Vivica A. Fox uh, yeah. as Bernita Green. Yeah. She's funny, and she's just great. Like, the way that she talks to her kid is really funny. Um, also, I appreciated way more Sonny Chiba, the guy who plays Satori Hanzo, um, who, if you watch True Romance... He's like, I'm going to go to the movie theater and watch like uh, they're having a Sonny Chiba marathon because he does like martial arts movies. Um, I love when he's shouting in Japanese and then he's just like, get your ass out here. (laughs) It's really funny. Um, Probably the best Lucy Liu performance ever. Yeah. Like that's fair. When she kills (laughs) Tanaka and then switches over to English and sounds like a really polite like gatekeeper or whatever essentially and then says now's the fucking time i'm like dude lucy lou go off um daryl hannah is only in one scene and she's incredible on this uh i thought she was like i love when she's like you thought that was pretty fucking funny didn't you word of advice shithead don't you ever wake up like the like daryl hannah is going off in this uh (laughs) I love Julie Dreyfus. Um, yeah, she's really good. Who unfortunately has like almost the same name as Julie Louis Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, when I was younger, when they when they described her as this like half Japanese, half French woman, I always thought I was like, oh, I'm gonna marry a half Japanese, half French woman, and, and, and I still need got to. time, man. Yeah, I'll find one. Julie Dreyfus. Julie Louise Dreyfus. Um, I I also thought it was like such a bizarre fucking Tarantino choice to have because he loved the movie Battle Royale. Like he needed to have the one of the actresses from it play Gogo, and I thought it was so bizarre to have your like number one henchman of this like big ass boss be this like schoolgirl esque seventeen yeah. year old who wields a. Uh, a- uh, wields the most absurd weapon. What is that a called? Mace? It's not a mace. It's a uh, chain and ball. Oh, the one dude. That she, she hit Tarantino in the head. I don't know if it was like actually metal, but like he got fucked up from it. Yeah, he he got pretty injured. It's um, oh, dude, come on, man, come on, Nick, come on, Nick. Remember Wendy. the name of the weapon, Nick. I'll remember it. We'll, I'm gonna we'll be so mad when I Google it right now. Okay, Google. I think that one's turned off. Yeah. Dang, uh, I'm turned funny. off by this conversation. Let's move on <laughs> to the next category. 
Oh, my phone doesn't understand. Okay. Um, let's move on to the next category. Let's do a, uh, eye candy. Eye candy is where we talk about all the visual elements of the movie. So cinematography, costuming. Uh, morning star. Design. Oh, morning star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a cool weapon. It's just random as shit, and she's pretty funny in it. Damn it, Nick. Couldn't remember the name of a morning star. <sighs> yeah, damn it, Nick. All right, let's move on, Nick. Uh, <laughs> so what did you think? Let's talk about eye candy with Kill Bill. Talk about the visual elements of this movie. Um, I mean, it blends all these like different styles and like elements in only a way that Quentin Tarantino could get away with. The cuts to black and white. Like, yeah, they're there. If you know why they're there, it makes them even better. Yeah. Just because it's funny that he needed to evade, like... The way that he transitions it is, like, right when she plucks the guy's eye out. Yeah. It's it's brilliant the way, when he chooses to do it's it. It's just so cool when it cuts to black and white. And, like, the fight scenes are perfectly choreographed. The, like, hilarious buds, blood spurting, the pussy wagon, it all combines to make this, like, really funny, like, unique like soup that is like a Quentin a Tarantino, yeah. like just, just such a Quentin Tarantino thing that you just blend all this stuff together and have all of these different extremes and it still work. Is yeah. he, he is the only director that can do that. So I gave it a six. I don't think that it's, it's perfect because I think that, that, uh, some of the over the topness of it is, is too much for some people, but I'm going to give it a six. It's not going to get a seven, but yeah, it's pretty close. So I was thinking about that because if I gave a con, it's that he visually borrows from so many things. Like everything is visual is borrowed from something. The idea of turning the doing that manga anime scene came from this Indian movie that he liked. Um, but he does. He, I mean, that scene is really creatively made. It, it's like a really well done anime. Um, yeah. I love like one thing that he like took from like westerns is the red tint when it's like yeah and i did and do if you realize it only go that song will come on whenever she's like seeking revenge but it only turns red when the other person sees them as in a western so they have to see her which is just brilliant um but here's why i'm giving it a seven wow yeah and i didn't i thought i was gonna be lower too and I, the more, the, the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated how amazing Robert Richardson is as a cinematographer. Mm. And you can understand, like, Tarantino had, like, he sent him, like, flowers and stuff to get him to do this movie. Like, he needed to be the cinematographer for Quentin Tarantino. And he absolutely kills it. I think the set designs are amazing. I know mm-hmm. he's not part of that, but, like, it works with the way he moves the camera. Um, the costuming is great. Um... I love the really long take in the House of Blue Leaves. Apparently, it took them six hours to do, and then the one of the camera operators like passed out. He like fainted from exhaustion. Yeah, because they I spent saw that. so much time. I think the editing is so cool, and the focus on objects and weapons is like really smart by Tarantino. Yeah. Um, the choreography we said like is really well done, and that was Zoe Bell, the Australian horrible actress in. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. she does all of it. And she actually sliced that baseball in yeah. half, which is so cool. Um, <laughs> I think the blood stuff is over the top. And I've always, like, I like Tarantino's movies where he's not doing that. Like, I 
Like Django and this are just like so over the top in the way that they splatter. They wasted like 450 liters of blood or something or gallons of blood. I kind of love the like sheer over the top. But it is. But at the same time, it's like a visually creative, absurd thing. And like the whole crazy 88s thing that they spent like eight weeks filming is just so it just becomes so absurd. Like the way that they jump is as if they're floating in the air, like martial arts movies, like but it's so well done. You could see that there was so much time put into it and the camera moves with them in like perfect ways. I I mean, there's a few shots that I absolutely love. Um I love the silhouette like dark like when it when the lights go off and she's fighting them. Yeah. I love the shot he took from another movie but um or from um the last uh, Bruce Lee movie that I'm blanking on, the one that they took the costume from. But the shot uh, when it pans above her and it's the circle around her and she moves and they go back and then she moves again oh, and they yeah. go forward is really cool. Um, they did the flying over Tokyo and everything. They basically used miniature sets from Godzilla. Yeah, the most recent two Godzilla movies. Dude, the scene of her wheeling through the garage is so well filmed, like in terms of a dolly and tracking her. It looks awesome. Yeah, isn't there a huge uh, tracking shot in Kill Bill? So that's the one that that follows them. That's the six-hour one that they that follows through the house of blue leaves. Oh yeah. When it, when it goes back to, um, Sophie, the Julie Dreyfus's character. Um, I love, I, I love the shot inside the sheriff's car, uh, of the sunglasses, like from the perspective of the sheriff's car. And he has all those sunglasses on the dashboard. Oh yeah. And then he shows up and I don't know if you noticed, but like he calls the deputy son number one and the deputy calls him pop. I don't know if he's actually supposed to be his father or not, or it's just this funny, weird sheriff situation. Either way, <laughs> I'm giving it a seven. I think it's just like a really, really oh, well okay. done visual movie. And Robert Richardson, like, this might be my favorite I film. I thought you were going to pivot there to a six. No, no, no. The only reason I was almost going to okay. give it a six is because it borrows, but I think that he turns it into his own thing. I um, mean, it just kind of present. It, it does not kind of. It, it, it creates something that is... And I'll talk about this later. It's just forever burnt into into people's minds. Yeah, that's another reason. I, I mean, yeah. I just remember a lot of shots and a lot of yeah, like objects, and and that and that comes from editing. Um, and I love that. Uh, Haywire, um, eye candy. I'm gonna what give it a six. Think? Oh, interesting. Okay, I, I think th- this is where I gave it a ton of um, credit. I mean, the, the fight scenes are breathtaking. They're inspired. They're raw. Um, honestly, some of the best I can think of. Yeah. Otherwise, it's pretty straightforward visually and not all that impressive. Oh. Um, so I'm not going to give it like a, it's, I mean, like, it's not like the costumes are incredible or. That's interesting. You're giving it a six just because the fighting is just so. Just because the fighting is so well done. Like. I, I had to give it credit where credit is is due, and I had to feel like I have a good, had to give it credit in some category, and this is this is the category that I think it excels in, and it's and it's a lot because Soderbergh, like, makes it so. He had a vision, yeah, and he made it so. Like he he made it come to fruition. That's interesting. You didn't think it stood out like visually, other than that, because what I love about Soderbergh movies is if you really like pay attention to it, there's like 
the choices of angles and shots are like, who the fuck thought of that? It's like Vince Gill. Yeah, Soderbergh is like in movies what Vince Gilligan is for TV. Like that's, the true, choices that's true. So, so like, I didn't think, I never think of like camera shots and angles, but yes, absolutely. It's always in the most Warren's peculiar the, places. Yeah. I think we talked about this on, um, uh, not born, but the, what was the, uh, in, insane, unsane, unsane, unsane. Yeah. In unsane. He always, he, like the thing I liked about that movie is his yeah. choice of shots are so weird. And he, this is why he's doing so well with this whole like iPhone revolution. Cause he's yeah. been making movies with iPhones is that he knows that there are places in a room that no one's ever filmed from. Yeah. No one's ever had that vantage point. So yeah, I mean, I, I still gave it a five, uh, slightly above average. Okay. I do think one thing I don't like that he does is he uses a lot of natural lighting, and it's something I like. I'm I actually like when a a cinematographer like say Roger Deakins gets clever with lighting. It makes the movie look beautiful. What what Soderbergh and Michael Mann, the guy who does like Heat and um, uh, What's the movie with Tom Cruise and James Collateral? Mm-hmm. Like he uses a lot of natural light and it looks, I don't like it at night because you'll use like street lights and stuff. So it'll look grainy and weird. Yeah. So I didn't like the scenes that are in like with like LED lights, like in the room, Yeah. But the okay. room where they're designed. But then I was like, oh, but this is a creative visual thing because the using the natural light of LED lights is supposed to make you realize like how bureaucratic that scene is that these guys in an office are deciding the fate of this like fucking dangerous operation yeah. or whatever. And they're wearing suits and stuff. And then it becomes a good twist that like Ewan McGregor is actually not just like this political, like consultant type guy. He's, he knows how to use a gun and stuff. He's a dangerous human being. Um, I love the cool location titles. You know me, I, I really <laughs> like location titles and they're cool. Uh, again, the the filming of the not just the choreography but the filming of the fight scenes is cool they don't take away from it if anything they edit they don't shaky cam or anything right. like you're watching it um i said it earlier but the the 20 different shots that they use on the beach where it keeps just going it keeps editing and going around them from different angles is brilliant because you realize how fucking deserted it is uh-huh. out there and how he's going to die in probably one of the most brutal ways. Yeah. He's going to drown in that thing. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, what did you think about the black, the moment where it turned to black and white? Like it does it a couple times in the movie. I like it when they do the mission. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really like it. I kind of, I, I mean, that's one of the things that stuck out to me the most. Like yeah. I, I really do visually like I, I didn't, dislike watching this movie like i liked watching the movie what i disliked about it is that it's fairly confusing um and (laughs) she's so bad yeah it just kills me um how sick and and, and like it's not not that engaging of a plot oh it's awesome i want to live there what is this what does her dad do i don't know Oh, so cool. And Make I love money. that it's Bill Paxton. Acquire too. that guap. Oh, oh Bill Paxton. Bill we didn't Paxton. even mention him either. Yeah. Uh, we didn't earlier, I mean. Oh, yeah. We could like mention him in accolades. Maybe we should He's give really him something. Good. He's so yeah. good. I love him. I, I, miss I turned him. to Julie and was like, oh, Bill Paxton. And she was I, like, I miss him dearly. Who? And I was like, Bill Paxton. Bill. That, is he already being forgotten? I guess. Oh, my God. All right. Anyways, she probably thinks he's Bill Pullman. Yeah. She was like, Bill Pullman. 
No. Uh, all right. Anyways, I actually mix them up all the time. Name by name. They're it's very the different actors. Oh, yeah. Um, have you seen Club Dread? Uh, anyways, uh, let's finish off Legacy. with Legacy. Uh, talking about the lasting legacy of these movies, how they were talked about, how they will be talked about, um, how they have been talked about. Uh, where do they stand out? Let's start. Let's start with Haywire. Yeah, obviously doesn't have much of a legacy. What are you gonna What are you gonna give it? So I, I'm hovering between a two and a three, and I think it's a personal thing that I want to give it a three. I, so fair. It, so the, this is a movie that was like very like. Critics really liked it, and and audience really didn't like it. So it has a five point eight on IMDb, and I'm going. I do believe, even though Kill Bill had a way higher IMDb score because it's an action movie and it's Tarantino, I do believe there's a bit of sexism involved with this because I kn- there are a lot of people who really enjoy watching Haywire, and I could just see so many people just fucking being like, oh, what? Like I don't know, but that's speculation. It's Metacritic was like almost the same as Kill Bill, 67. Uh, Kill Bill, I think, was 68, which is crazy. Um, 80, But this is where the divide comes. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's 80% critics, 41% audiences, mm. which is absurd. But this, I don't think this movie I is for... I funny. don't think this movie is for like... And I'm and I mean this in an offensive and non-offensive way. I don't think it's made for like basic thriller fans. Yeah, I think it's a little more artsy. It's more it Soderbergh, and for a lot of people that it's like a, Soderbergh, it's like there are there's like a cult following for this movie. I like kind of forgot about movie. Unsane being a Soderbergh movie, and yeah. it's like it's a lot like Unsane. Where I'm like, it's not a bad movie. I don't like Unsane, but this is a preference thing because I don't like Unsane, and I really like this movie. I don't really, I like this movie. I've watched it's that it kind of thing. Times. He has this like streak where he wants to make slightly more artsy, like a little bit out there movies that aren't for everybody. But he very clearly has a vision, and he wants to execute it, and he probably does. He's probably extremely proud of Haywire. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of positive reviews. Um, from my point of view, I can't see it, but beyond the, the fact that the, the cast as a whole is good and the action scenes are wild. Um, yeah, I think the hotel fight scene is like that. The legacy of that fight scene is dude, just going to live it's, forever. It's just incredible. And like, it made money too. It didn't lose money. It was a small movie. I mean, yeah, it, it's just not going to be super appealing to people. And like, I didn't know what it was until I was like, oh, it's the movie that with the scene that you kept showing me. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a two. All right, I'll, I'll give it a three. I think that's more because, like, I'm going to be the voice of, like, a lot of fans that, like, cult fans of this. Because I know, like, for that's instance, fine, someone like, like Chris, Chris Ryan on The ring or on the Ringer, like, it's one of his favorite movies. And, and like, he that's has so annoying funny. takes on movies all the time. But, like, I, I get why people really like this movie. And I just don't think, like, this came before the Raid movies and John Wick. And I think it was one of the more unique fighting movies that wasn't a martial arts movie. Mm. So I don't know. What about uh, Kill Bill? Uh, it might not be Quentin Tarantino's best movie of all time, but it's definitely one that people will always remember for a ton of reasons. The originality, the costumes, the blood, the Rizza, the razor, hit me with the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a seven. Oh, interesting. I think it's a seven. Like Kill Bill is, is Kill Bill. Like, the costume, her costume, the, like the, the, it's just so good. 
Yeah. Um, There's so many things about it that the, every, like He even made that whistling song from that other movie. Like, people now think of Kill Bill when they hear the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dun, um, dun, dun, dun. I, I, it's funny because I, I don't think I'm going to be at a seven because this is personal. Like, this is another one where I'm like, the objective level is like almost a seven, but I, I don't even want to. I gave so, it a six initially, but I, I changed it to a seven after we discussed this whole thing. I, I think it's ridiculous people want a third one. Tyler Salstrom's one of those people that no. are like, I want to hear. I, or I want to see... Tyler Salstrom wants more of something? I want to see a volume three where it's Nakia growing up and like going after her. And I was like, why? I think keep it's it so much cooler brain. to not... Yeah, exactly. That's like the people wanting Breaking Bad to keep Keep you it on. in your brain. Um, it's Write hard to tell fiction, if this bro. movie has the bigger legacy or volume two does. I, I prefer it, this one. I think it's this one because of the... the. But there are two different people that like... Fight like scene. Some people like volume two a lot more. Um, and then it's like, is it like the whole thing? Do they like the whole thing more or this one? Like if I he wrote it all as this, one thing and then they right. were like, this is too long QT, but it was only, it was only going to be like three hours if he cut it down. But this time he didn't have to cut it down. Right. Um, for me, there are a lot of people like the great thing about Tarantino. And I actually had this, like I had a, initially an argument the other day with Jeff Lowe of the lights, camera, barstool oh, podcast right. on Instagram, me, him, and like two other people were going back and forth for all of Saturday because I, he put out his like favorite movies list of all time. And he had once upon a time in Hollywood, like 50 places above Pulp Fiction. And I was like, that's lunacy. And then these other people are like, well, he had this too. So I wouldn't give it that much credit. And then they said another thing. And then he said back to me, he goes, he, he said something about like his preference and like how it worked for him and what he liked. And he thought that Tarantino had like, gotten to this level that was you know peak tarantino sure, sure. And, and then it turned into me and him like complimenting each other and being like yeah that's the great thing and now i'm roping it back the great thing about tarantino is that there are so many fans of tarantino but the your preference of what your favorite tarantino movie is or your top five is almost always going to be different you and i have a completely different list um yeah not completely different but like a different ordering right and for some people, Kill Bill is their favorite. Like, my mom, Kill Bill is her favorite. Tyler, I think... No, I, I bet it's not. I bet Inglorious Bastards or Pulp Fiction. Let's so, call them. It's interesting. I think that... For, okay, Google. Like, <laughs> it, it, it had good reviews. 85% 81%, and 81%. But, like, the 8.1 on IMDb is actually, like, great. Because there's a, f there's a woman in the lead, and that is extremely rare. I'm going to bring this up every time. Um... Somehow, this movie made a hundred and eighty million dollars. Like this, it, like I understand now that Tarantino is this big director, but at the time he was still like this artsy director, sort of. You know, like artsy for like artsy for like boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also love rewatching it. I, I'm giving it a six. It's not my favorite Tarantino, so I can't give it a seven. Okay, it's not even my. It's like right. It's either at number five or it's right outside number five. Like I go back and forth between thinking this is better or Django's better. You gave it a six, you said. Yeah, out All of right. seven. So well above average. Let's. Uh, Our scores let's are. Count it up. Kill Bill gets sixty-two. Haywire, sixty-two out of seventy-five. Haywire gets a, a measly thirty-eight. Thirty-eight out of seventy-five. Not horrible. I do enjoy. I was very worried. 
I knew, I was like, I watched Haywire and I was like, this is cool. Nick's either going to really love this or really not love this. It was in the middle. I, you know, sometimes that happens. I, I didn't, tr- I tried not to <laughs> hype it I'm too much. I just think the you. action is great and that didn't fall apart. So let's talk about the accolades. Let's, yep, let's, let's give hand out, out some awards. Yeah, Nick and I thought of Jinx, these beforehand. Naomi a soda and the Indian place has cool Indian sodas. I didn't know that. So you're buying me an Indian soda now. Oh, sick. It's, yeah, yeah. It's also a gas station. So there's plenty of other opportunities. But cool there. Indian sodas. Um, yeah. All right. Let's give out awards. Out of the box. Let's give out who's the top of awards. Who's the MVP? MVP. The who? future. Because it's female. Yeah. Who's the LVP? Ex-boyfriends. You're on notice. <laughs> yeah. But also, I I had another LVP that I wrote when I was watching Haywire. It's the guy who's setting up chairs in the hotel when she's running through and just starts taking all the chairs and throwing them oh, down yeah. the stairs. <laughs> and then you got to imagine that the SWAT team comes up next and probably shoves him out of the way and yeah. makes him shit his pants. That's hilarious. So, hard LVP for that I used that to have guy. that job, setting up chairs in my freshman year at University of Redlands. Oh, yeah. I would, like, set up chairs for events at, Before like, Before I met you, I remember that. Horrible. Uh, horrible job. That sounds awful, man. I mean, I'm sure there are worse jobs out there. Yeah, um, but that's not a fun but one. But that guy, that guy was just I did having learn the how worst to, like, day. I did imagine learn how having to... that kind of day. Yeah. He probably just finished. He went home to his wife and was like... Popped, she threw chairs. Popped up in a beer. Myself. She was like, what's wrong, honey? And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. Dude. All right, well, uh, we came up with an all-star team, the five performances from these two movies that we think Fox are incredible, five. are Fox Force 5 performances. Uh, Uma Thurman, obviously, yeah. just amazing. She She's like technically the MVP, her and Tarantino. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lucy Liu, best performance by her. Gotta be. Hattori Hanzo, so I, I, you know, Sonny Chiba is great in this, and Revenge, it's just a great character. Revenge is never a straight line; it's a forest, and get like a forest, your ass out here. It's easy to lose your way, to get lost, to forget where you came in. It's a great line. Yeah, he has just like he has yeah, an, it's the one of the best lines in the movie. He just he also gets a lot of range of emotion too. Like he's yeah. just like so funny when you meet him, and then he's so serious, and mm-hmm. then he's like you can see you you understand this character. Um, another one, Ewan McGregor, we both thought that he was great in Haywire. Yeah, um, and it kind of just was a glimpse of what he could What's be. What's his later. character's name? Uh, Owen McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Owen. Elon McGregor. Elon McGregor. Uh, I don't remember. Um, and then our last one, Michael Fossbender. Well done, Michael Fossbender. Where the fuck have you been? Can you make a good movie again? We're sick and yeah, tired of man. your choices, what dude. What are you and your your freaking... Words of the wise, even if it's going to give you millions of dollars, dude. don't do a six-movie deal with X-Men in Fox <sighs> and ruin your entire career. I mean, had they nailed it, he would have been a great Magneto, though. He was in first class. That's true. And in Days of Future Past. Right. I don't know why I said it that way. Um, Six-man, person who did the most... With the least, Michael Bowen, who plays Buck, Buck. and he likes to fuck. Yeah. Uh, one time, my brother and I oh, were driving oh, too much on Skyline, that road at the top of the mountain that where I live in the mountains. Yeah. Um, and we were driving really fast, and like deer sometimes pop out, <laughs> and we were we always just quote Tarantino movies, and Crystal was in the back seat, and we were just like at the top. I don't know why we were like we were talking about Kill Bill, and then we both like shouted at the same time like. My name's Buck, and I like to fuck. And right when that happened, no joke, a fucking buck, deer, <laughs> hit my car. 
Whoa. At the same exact moment. And then we drove, and I was like, ah! And then kept driving, and then all of us were silent. And then we turned to each other and just started dying of laughter. <laughs> so think of the odds of that. Yeah. What a weird thing. Anyways, Michael Bowen, you were great as Buck in just one scene. You're a fucking sick piece of shit, but you were great as a sick Dude. piece of shit. Um, come back. The, the person who grew on you over time or like grew over the course of the story is obviously the bride and Mallory. They yeah. both did it. But also, also, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's it. I know. think it's, uh, I think the bride more, but that's just me. That's fair. Um, um you got any lasting it? awards or anything you want to talk about with these movies? No, no, I just wanted to point out that because you said that deer line, or like you were talking about the the deer, and there's you know oh, deer, the deer in, in Mallory or in in uh, uh, Haywire. When you look at the quotes for Haywire and IMDb, one of them is Scott colon jesus christ you're a great driver mallory kane colon parentheses slams into a deer yeah yeah i actually laugh really hard in that scene because it it happens like immediately after he says that yeah it's just so funny to read it as jesus christ you're a great driver slams into a deer yeah slams into (laughs) a deer Uh, all right well i have some recommendations um and it kind of goes with our like a little disclaimer at the beginning. I have some recommendations of some important movies about what's going on right now that oh, you can watch you right yeah. now. Um, and you could also, if you follow us on Instagram, we have uh, I, I put out a list of some uh, movies that we put together that kind of celebrate black voices and kind of give us new perspectives. But yeah. one um, that I, I actually really enjoyed was called Monsters and Men. Uh, it's on Hulu right now. It's with uh, David... John David Washington, oh, yeah, um, yeah. who's about to become a huge star in Tenet, um, and he was great in Black Klansman. So good. Uh, it, Black Klansman is one that you should watch as well. That's on HBO. Uh, I Am Not Your Negro is an incredible documentary uh, just based off of the writings of James Baldwin. It's just a very – it's one of the – it is – Read like, James Baldwin. Yeah, read James Baldwin. But it's, it's an incredible poetic documentary, which is kind of rare. Um, that's on Netflix and Amazon, I believe. Uh, 13th. Probably my favorite documentary of all time uh, by Ava DuVernay uh, is on Netflix. I, I think it's one of the best made documentaries in terms of production. Yeah. Um, and it is very powerful. Blind Spotting is one that Nick and I both really love. Um, a comedy and drama um, that's great. And it's like a love story to uh, Oakland. Um, it, it's wonderful. It's on HBO. And then uh, another one that kind of goes with Blind Spotting is The Hate You Give. Uh, yeah. on HBO, which is also a really powerful story. Um, we we also recommend that there, like you take action during this time. We said that earlier, but like I, like if we could say that at the end, you know, it doesn't really. If you feel empowered by this, um, take action by emailing, uh, making phone calls to the attorney generals, the DAs, the representatives, the mayor of Kenosha. Try and convince your ignorant family about the yeah. policies and. Things that should change in order. Yeah, to make I mean, the world and even like this isn't a. Pl- we're not taking. We're not taking a political stance on this podcast right now. We're talking about the livelihoods of of people, and yeah, it has not nothing to do with thing. that. It's a yeah. humanity thing. Don't donate if you can, uh, and vote, please, and stay educated on this. Um, next week, Music. we're going to be doing Waterboy versus Little Di- <laughs> Little Nikki, which is so funny that I'm following up what I just said with this, but. 
We're gonna do two ridiculous Adam Sandler movies, Waterboy and Little Nicky. Such is the world. You'll see why they are similar. They're both actually streaming right now. I think Little Nicky's on HBO and Waterboy is on Netflix. Yeah. That's gonna be with Nick Daria, one of our uh, recurring guests on this podcast. So watch those movies, please. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Instagram.com slash facing off pod. Uh, we're thinking about doing like a movie bracket type thing with quarantine battles, a, a thing started by our buddy uh, Christian. So look out for that and follow us on Instagram. Please look up Facing Off Pod. Um, you could also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Facing Off Pod. Uh, you could win a, a free law degree from me if you go on our Twitter and answer Nick's uh, qu- trivia or quiz <laughs> questions. I'm gonna do that more. Uh, we're just also, gonna start. We're just gonna start sending out weird autograph things. Yeah, we should. <laughs> this one's not a weird autograph thing. It's it's something that Focus I got from cheating. three years of studying. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, we're thinking about how you know instead of just having you guys email us. How else we could get you guys to interact with us? So if you have any ideas of how to interact with us other than emailing us, well, email your suggestion to facingoffpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Nick, do you have a send-off? This is what you fucking get for fucking around with your gooses. Go to your mom. (laughs) I botched it.